0: Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. So, hey, if you have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and grab that. Um, I, uh, brought my, uh, physical paper Bible with me, but, uh, you can also feel free to use your phone or a tablet and, uh, follow along with us today in God's word. If this is your first time to church ever, or maybe your first time to church in a while, uh, maybe you're not familiar, but there are apps you can download to follow along in God's word. I use one called YouVersion, Y O U version, and, uh, it's got some different languages and different translations. And so feel free uh, to use that to follow along. And uh, we also put some notes cards on your chairs. So I want to encourage you uh, to take notes. We want to be a note-taking church. And the reason why is not because I have anything awesome to say. It is because God's Word is awesome and God has something to say to us today, and we don't want to miss it, and if you're like me, you'll come to church and be like, oh man, that was so good. What did he, what did that, what was that verse about, or what did he say about that, and he'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, and then you're going to take, I mean, let's be honest, Sunday afternoon naps are the best, right, but Sunday afternoon naps in the rain, are even better, all right? And so we're gonna like doesn't matter how much we caffeinate today, we are gonna have a fantastic nap today. And uh, you're gonna wake up uh, like me and be like, oh my gosh, is it Tuesday? What what day is it? And you're gonna forget like, oh yeah, I went to church this morning. So write it down, all right? Uh, take notes. Um, feel free to use a phone or a tablet. We just put some note cards on your chair uh, to help facilitate that we want to be a note taking church. And also, it's a little different because my job is not to stand up and entertain you today. Um, my job is simply to pray, to open up the scriptures, and uh, let's all hear from God together, all right? And that's what we want to do today, is hear from the Lord Jesus Christ together. Um, And so want to encourage you with that, um, all right? Hey, I want to say real quick, too, as you're uh, opening up to the book of Philippians, by the way, Philippians chapter 1. Sorry I didn't say that, but maybe you could tell uh, on the screen. So uh, Philippians chapter 1. I want to say, too, uh, man, last week was amazing. Like, thank you guys so much All of you who served last week, uh, we celebrated one year as a church. That is amazing. Like, that is a miracle. Like, uh, it's so amazing. People ask me, like, what is that like and how does that feel? And I say, first of all, time is irrelevant to me at this point, all right? Uh, One, I'm a dad of three kids. So time became irrelevant seven years ago. But I also know that, like, time became irrelevant because I still think it's the year 2020, so I, still, I don't know if anybody else struggles with that when you're like, hey, it's actually about to be 2023. And I'm like, what? Three years? Like, what? so sometimes I don't even count 2020. Like, in my brain, that, that year didn't exist for some reason. And so, um, anyway, so I just want to say, like, the people ask me, like, "How's it feel? It's been a year. And this is the best I know how to say. Like, it honestly... Uh, feels a little bit, it doesn't, it's not comparative, but if I had to, I'd say it kind of feels like when we had uh, like our babies, you know, and it's like, well, as a, from a dad's perspective, now mom's carrying the baby around, right, but from a dad's perspective, I'm like, well, one day there wasn't a baby, and then there was one, and that was just kind of like, okay, there it is, like there, yesterday there was not a baby, and now there is one, and, uh, and it was kind of like that way with the church, like a year ago, there wasn't this. Like, can you imagine that? Like, a year ago, this didn't happen, this this was not happening 12 months ago. And then it was. And not only was it, but it continued to grow and advance and lives be changed and communities transformed in the last year. And it's kind of like watching a child grow, and every step of the way, this is the only word I can come up with it's just a miracle. It's just a miracle. The gospel is a miracle. And uh, so I just want to let you know, that's how I feel. I feel like we're all just a part of one big miracle that has nothing to do with us, but is all about Jesus. So anyway, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much. And uh, can we just give a hand for all of our serve teams uh, who made last week uh, so awesome? All right. Hey, um, as we turn to the book of Philippians, I want to tell you just a little bit about uh, why we're doing this and what this, uh, what this looks like. Now, Sometimes, as a church, what we do is uh, we will go through certain topics. Like there might be something as a church, like when we were getting ready to incorporate as a church and start membership, we talked about what church membership looked like in the Bible. Right? Uh, when we were getting ready to start this church, we opened up the Book of Acts and said, "This is what the church looks like." So sometimes we talk about topics, um, but there's going to be a lot of times, most of the time, where we're just going to work through books of the Bible. Like we're just going to open up the Bible and read what it says and hear from the Lord. And, uh, and the reason that we do that, and sometimes like you may come in and it's not like a specific topic, the reason we do that is a couple of things. Number one is uh, we want to get used to just reading the Bible. Okay? So even when we talk about a topic, we don't just talk about a topic, we read a passage of Scripture, we study it, and pull out what God is saying about that topic from the Scripture. Okay, So like we're all about the Bible here, and what we can be tempted to do is uh, make everything about a topic instead of about God's Word. And so reading the Bible verse by verse and studying it helps us to do that. The other thing it helps us to do is I believe that it helps us as Christians leave church and go well, I could have done that. Like, you know, to like sit back and be like, all the dude did. Listen, you're not going to believe this lousy pastor. All he did was get up, read the Bible and say what it says. As a, like, I could have done that. Right. And, and then I would go, exactly. That's the point. Yeah. Like, like we can all leave here going, man, I can read the Bible. Like I can do this. And, uh, and so that's what I want you to do like through this series I hope that it inspires your passion for reading God's Word, and you walk out of here every week and go, man, I want to read God's Word. This is so awesome. Um, and so the last reason we do this is also because sometimes when we go through books of the Bible and we go verse by verse, if I'm reading and I'm like verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and then I skip verse 4 and I go to verse 5, you're going to notice it. And you're going to be like, wait a minute, why did he skip verse 4? And then you're going to read verse 4 and be like, oh, that's why he skipped verse 4. What does that mean? Like, why did he skip that? And then uh, it kind of holds the pastor accountable so that we're hearing from the whole Word of God and not just what the pastor's comfortable preaching, all right? So it kind of holds us accountable as a church to hear the whole Word of God and not just the things that I'm comfortable or whoever's speaking is comfortable teaching, all right? So that's what we're doing. All right, Philippians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to get as far as we can today uh, through the first chapter. And, uh, and just so you know, like, usually um, I would take some time, explain, like, the context. And I'm going to do a little bit of that today, but not as much as normally uh, I would like. And so I want to encourage you guys, go to community group this week. Because in our community groups, we're going to be walking through Philippians together as well in our community groups this week um, and, and, just, and, and for the next few weeks, just to kind of go a little deeper um, into the passage. All right? So let's, see, let's go. All right, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Yeah. All right, I am not. So <laughs> I'm over here too busy talking. Okay, here we go. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's stop right there. This is kind of the introduction of the letter, right? This is kind of how Paul starts off. But there's a few things I want you to to notice here. And I want to tell you a little bit. Like he says uh, here, uh, this is Paul and Timothy, all right? So uh, there's two people writing this letter. Paul, who is the Apostle Paul. So if you've uh, been around church, maybe you've heard of him. He wrote most of the New Testament. There's the Apostle Paul. And then Timothy, which was kind of his protege, um, who pastored, he would end up pastoring the church at Ephesus. Okay, so he's got these two guys. Uh, there were a couple other apostles with them as well. But this is how they recognize themselves, right? We're Paul and Timothy. And he didn't say, we are Pastor Paul and Pastor Timothy, right? He doesn't introduce himself and say, I am the Apostle Paul which is really interesting because in most other books, Paul introduces himself as Paul the Apostle, okay? But I want you to notice in this book, like Paul has such an affection for this church that he doesn't start off by saying, check my creds, like I'm the man and you need to listen to me. He actually starts by saying, no, actually I'm Paul, he's Timothy, and we are slaves of Christ. Like that word servant didn't mean like, like us, where we go, oh, I serve Jesus, which meant like I took an hour and did something good for, you know, the community. Like, no, what this literally meant was uh, like a slave, right? A slave of Christ. And then he calls himself a slave. But then in verse one, he says, but I'm writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus. So like he's being affectionate to the church. He's going, man, we're like slaves for Christ, but you guys are saints, man. We love you so much. So we're out here serving Christ. You guys are the saints of Christ. Um, And man, it's so good. And he says, and you're at the church of Philippi. And I want you to notice that word overseers and deacons. Those are just leaders in the church. Overseer meant pastor. Okay. So he says, I'm writing to the elders, to the pastors of the church and the deacons. Deacons are just, it's kind of a title in the church that really just meant serving. All right, so I, I'm writing to these two groups to lead servants and servant leaders, and, um, th- and this is what I'm doing. All right, but I want to talk to you a little bit about Philippi and what Philippi is. Everybody say Philippi, Philippi. it's just kind of a fun, fun word to say. Uh, Philippi, and this is what's interesting Philippi was the first church uh, that was started actually inside of the Roman Empire. Okay, So a lot of the other churches were started kind of around in the outskirts and kind of started in Jerusalem and went throughout. And this actually started because uh, Paul had a dream and you can get all of this in Acts 16, okay? For time's sake today, I'm not going to go read Acts 16 for you, but write down Acts chapter 16, and then this week, go read Acts 16, it'll tell you the whole story of how this church was started, okay? It's really cool. Um, but Paul had this dream, and in the dream, he was told, go to Macedonia, okay, because I've got, I've got people there I want you to meet, and you're going to start a church. And so Paul does. He goes to Macedonia. Well, this is in the Roman Empire. So he steps in the Roman Empire. He's at Philippi, and, uh, and he kind of meets some people, and they start a church, all right? Um, so let me tell you a little bit about the church at Philippi. Now, one of the reasons we're studying Philippians is because we are a new church, and the church at Philippi was a new church. And the Apostle Paul, even though when he wrote this letter, it was a little further along the road than we are right now, it is a letter written to a, a new church, okay? And I wanted you to hear it in the context of we are a new church. And I think a lot of the things Paul says to this new church in Philippians is going to make sense to a new church in ways that it may not make sense to a church that is more established. And so I wanted you guys to get that. But the other reason is because, man, I the church at Philippi Is probably my favorite church plant in the Bible, new church in the Bible, and the reason is because of the launch team of this church. Okay, so launch team is an expression we use in church planting to talk about the team who actually comes together to help start or launch the church. Okay, and uh, and the first members of this church are uh, (laughs) they're incredible. Okay, so if you read Acts sixteen, this is what you learn: Paul finds a group of women who are down by the river praying, okay? So he just, he walks down, he's walking by the river, there's a group of women praying. He says, huh, you're praying. Well, you're praying to God? Oh, you're religious. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. They're like, yes, that's what we've been missing. And they give their lives to Jesus. And the leader of that group of women was a woman named Lydia. Everyone say, Lydia? Lydia. Lydia is important, okay, in this church. And, uh, and so Paul starts the church literally with a random group of women he met at the river, okay? Like, that's how the church started. People all the time are like, how do you get people to join your church? I, you just walk by the river. Like, you just, you take a walk by the river, and you see people praying, and when they lift, when they say amen and lift their heads, you're standing there with them, right? And you're going, yeah, I think I'm the answer to your prayer, all right? And so, like, that's, that's kind of what happened. And uh and so Paul finds them he's like yeah and he he tells them about Jesus Jesus was the missing puzzle piece in their story they give their lives to follow Jesus and Paul baptizes them right there at the river so like they're already there and they're like he's like well next you need to get baptized well Lydia calls her whole house and gets her whole household there and then he baptizes not just those women but then baptizes all of Lydia's household So now, like, this is the church at Philippi. That's how it started. So if you're wondering, how do you start a church? Let me tell you, you don't split a church, okay? You don't get a group of angry Christians from one church that think they can do it better somewhere else, okay? That's not ways you start a church. You literally see new people come to Christ, and then you have a church. Okay. And so that you see life change. Uh, So that was really cool. Then in Acts 16, like we see another story where Paul is walking around and there's this woman and this young girl, the Bible calls her, and she's possessed by a demon and the Holy Spirit fills Paul up with power. And Paul basically like exercises this young girl, casts the demon out and the girl comes to follow Jesus. And then she joins the church. All right. So now we've got four women by a river, Lydia's family, and a demon-possessed girl. Then Paul Paul gets thrown in prison in Philippi. So while he's in prison, he's hanging out, and he's chained to these prison guards. And while he's there, he's just singing, man. He's singing like, maybe you've heard this story, like you grew up in church, probably colored a coloring sheet about it. He's just singing, man, singing his heart out, you know, singing whatever, you know, New Hillsong song was out, and he's doing his thing, and uh and the prison guards are like hey what are you doing down there like why are you singing he's like well let me tell you about jesus and then all of a sudden the prison guard accepts jesus and he gets saved and so now we've got four women paul met by the river a demon possessed girl and a prison guard who made up the first members of this church isn't that amazing i want to go to that church. Like what was communion like the first time there? You know, like what what did that look like? You know, what was kids ministry like at that church? You know, where like the youngest person was like possessed by a demon the week before. Like what is what does that look like? You know, what does that church look like? And uh, and so man, I, I just want to say like you may go okay, Brandon, that's great, but what what do I care? Like this was a really long time ago, and why why do we care what the church of Philippi was like? Well. I say for a couple of reasons. Like one is it shows us um, the unity of the body of Christ. Like like this doesn't, this, this, Paul, and I believe this is in the Bible to show us that uh, like God intends for his church, for the body of Christ to be unified. Now, notice I did not say to be diverse. All right, because the root word for diverse or diversity is division. Okay? What it means is, is that everybody's different and they all stay different. Okay? But what we see here is that we had a bunch of different people who all came together because of one common denominator. And that common denominator was not their ethnicity. It wasn't their economic status. It wasn't their education status. It was Jesus. Like, that's what brought this church together. And so, like, I thought this was important because what we're seeing is a really diverse church in Philippi um, made up of the most random assortment of people. Like, where else would you get together, other than maybe my family reunion in Mississippi, would you get together and have like a former demon possession, a prison guard, and four random women met it by the river? All right? That's pretty much our family reunions, west, right? And so like, that's, where else would you get that? Only in the church. Only in the church. And there's, there be peace and harmony among the people. Like, you can only get that through the power of Jesus. And the other reason that I do that is because I wanted you to see um, Christ's love for all people. Like, I wanted you to see that, like, Jesus has a desire for all sorts of people to be in his church. And sometimes that's going to be inconvenient. Like, I want you to hear me say this. Sometimes, if we're going to reach all sorts of people, people that are not like you, then it's going to be inconvenient. Notice I said you because everybody's different. So I'm not going to say different than us because we're all different, okay? And if, you're going, if God loves people that are different from you and he's going to use you to reach people that are different from you, then sometimes that's going to be very inconvenient. You're going to have to eat at restaurants you normally would not go to. You're going to have to Google recipes to cook things, to have people over that you normally would not cook, right? You, you are going to have to go out of your way and travel across town to pick someone up that you normally would not uh, go to that part of town, okay? Like, there are just things about having unity in the body of Christ that are going to be inconvenient, but hear me say this, they are beautiful. Like, it may be inconvenient, but inconvenience breeds beauty. And it will be the most beautiful thing you have ever been a part of. So I want you to see that. Okay, uh, As we kind of keep going here in Philippians, I want you to notice two words. And uh, these two words are really important. And I want you to... I want you to write them down because these two words we are going to talk about for the whole, for the next month, for the rest of the time that we're in the book of Philippians. And so I want you to get used to these two words. And I want to explain these two words because I'm not going to have time to explain them every week. So I want to go deep into them this week so we have a base and understand, okay? And these are the two words. Number one is joy. I want you to write down the word joy. And number two is fellowship. I want you to write down the word fellowship. Joy and fellowship. And these two words are really important in the book of Philippians. Because because here's what we see. Like you're going to see hear the word joy like over a dozen times in this short book. Like in this small letter that Paul wrote, he is just going to all the time be like, and joy and joy and joy and joy and joy. Like he's going to talk about joy a lot. And I want you to see that. And we're going to talk about joy as well uh, here in just a little bit. And then the second word is fellowship. And I want you to see the word fellowship because um, there's there's really two groups of people. There's like churchy people and non-churchy people. The churchy people hear fellowship and they think uh, old-fashioned potluck in the fellowship hall. Okay. Like we even in old fashioned churches, we even named a room in the building after the word fellowship. Okay? Like this is this is okay, so you think that if you're churchy, if you're not churchy, you go, What in the heck is fellowship? Okay, like those are kind of the two, the two groups and the book of Philippians is going to answer this for us and both groups are going to be wrong. Okay, there is such a thing as fellowship, but it's not a room in the church. All right, like there, there is a deep-rooted fellowship that is not based on a social gathering and we're going to get into all of that, but I want you to write down those two words because every week something that we read is going to point us to one of those two themes. All right, all right, here we go. Let's keep, let's keep rolling. Let's look at verse three. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Um, Paul is praying. He says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with, somebody say that word, Joy. joy. Because of your partnership, or your version may say fellowship, in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Man, somebody needed to hear that today, didn't you? And so I want to I explain a couple of things to you. Like Number one, if you go back and look at verse three, I want you to notice what he says. He says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. And if you're taking notes or you're reading in your Bible or on your app, I want you to just highlight or circle that word you, okay? Um, and, and the reason why is because when Paul Writes his prayers out. Paul hardly ever thanks God for material things. Paul is always thanking God for people. And I want you to see like this theme that Paul is not starting off and going, man, I just praise God for the money you sent me. Paul doesn't say, man, I just praise God for the party that Lydia threw the other night in her house. Notice he doesn't say, man, I just praise God for the meal that we shared together. Or I just praise God that you guys did this for us. No, what he says is, I just praise God for you because people matter over projects. And so God saw, or Paul here, God through Paul, saw not projects, not ministry, not an organization. Paul saw people. And he doesn't say, I thank God every time I remember your church. He doesn't say, I thank God every time I remember that worship service. He doesn't say, I I thank God every time I think about your youth program. He says, I thank God every time I remember you, the person. Then (laughs) he says this in verse 4, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Everybody say joy making my prayer with joy. So here's kind of the first place that we see this, right? He says he makes his prayers with joy. You want to know what's really jacked up about this? Is that Paul writes this saying, man, every time I pray for you, I'm in you. And every prayer I pray for you is just filled with joy. And do you know what he's doing while he's praying with joy for these people? This is so jacked up. He's in prison. He's in prison. Like he's not he's not sitting down at his nice little, you know, desk that he made with his little plant, you know, and his got his little candle, you know, vanilla spice candle and got his hill song going and he's like, Man, I'm just so filled with joy, you know. Like so many times we that's how we define joy. No, Paul is writing. Like, he's not even writing because he's got chains all on him. So probably Timothy's writing. And like, he's just sitting there. He's like, man, just tell him every time I think about him, every time I'm praying for him, I'm just filled with joy. And these chains are like clanging on the ground as he's saying that. Isn't that amazing? Because listen, I want you to hear me say this. Joy is not having easy circumstances. Joy is not being in a perfect environment that's not biblical joy joy is not experiencing success that's not it is that is not biblical joy listen joy is not walking in prosperity that is not joy that may make you happy and i want to say off the top i'm a happy person i am not opposed to happiness Man, if God can give me some success, some prosperity, Lord, hear me, bring it, all right? Like, I want it, all right? So I'm not here saying, man, let's all go to jail, all right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, like, that's not where we find joy. That's not it. We don't just have joy when we have easy circumstances because, listen, I'm about to say something that is going to be hard for some of us to understand. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is not a feeling. Listen to me. Joy is an attitude. It is a mindset. It is a deep-rooted trust in God. But joy may be those things, but it is not a feeling. One time, um, I'll share this story with you guys. Just because it was on my mind a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago marks the anniversary, and gosh, I don't even know how long it's been, many years Um, since I was a sophomore in college and uh, when I was a sophomore in college I had some best friends and we hung out together we were nerds together we were on the debate team together like uh, but but we were cool like we just had fun together and uh, they're some of my best friends and uh, we were hanging out and uh, and they came, I'll never forget, like we were just hanging out for dinner. And they said, well, we're actually going to make a spontaneous trip back home. They lived about two and a half hours away. So we're going to make a spontaneous trip back home. Do you want to come with us? And we're just going to go hang out at so-and-so's house for the weekend. And I said, no, unfortunately, I can't because I'm involved in all this stuff. And I've got all this stuff over the weekend. I can't do that. And so they were like, oh, bummer. OK, well, we'll see you. We're leaving right now. And I was like, because, you know, in college, you can do that. You can just do whatever you want. And so they were like, OK. So they get in the car and they leave about an hour and a half later, I'm doing laundry in the laundry room, and I'll never forget it. A friend of mine comes in, and he says, hey, man, they're they're dead. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, they, they had a car accident, and, the, and they're gone. And I said, you're kidding. And I began to get these phone calls, and... This is before, uh, I hate to say this, this is before, like, texting. I'm, like, on my Motorola flip phone, you know, and uh, doing all this stuff. And so it was harder to get information, but we start figuring things out. Within an hour or two, we go, yeah, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. Like, they had gotten into a car accident and passed away. And so that week, uh, I was 20 years old, and I went to three funerals in three days uh, of my friends in college. And that was a really hard week. And I would venture to say that up, even up to this point in my life, that was one of the darkest periods that I've ever had in my life and experience. But I had a mentor. And uh, if you don't have a mentor, especially if you're college aged, I would encourage you to get one. If not, if for nothing else, you need one for a moment just like this. And we had just gotten done and I had just gotten done reading a eulogy at like the second funeral or something. And I came out, and I think he could see that I was, my eyes were bloodshot. I was tired, I was sad, I was crying, and, and he just came, and he didn't say anything, and um, he wrapped me up in his arms, and he just held me for what was honestly a very uncomfortable amount of time. <laughs> and every time I would do that whole, like, try to back away, it would get tighter, and I said, okay, we're, we're going to do this, we're just going to sit here. And I don't know, it felt like 30 minutes, it was probably 30 seconds. Then he lets go of me, and he grabs my face. And he says, Brandon, he said, joy will come. But joy is not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Joy is knowing there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I never forgot that. I didn't understand it then. I looked at him. I said, well, I appreciate the the fortune. You get that on your fortune cookie uh, today. You know, it's great. But then as I walked through that week, I realized that was true. There are times in our life, right, that you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. It feels like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. You keep walking and walking. And what has been three days of hard circumstances feels like three years of hard circumstances. We've all lived that. So we we don't want to sit back at church and be like, I don't know what this dude's talking about. We all know what this is like. And I want you to hear me say biblical joy is not being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We don't wait to be filled with joy for when we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are filled with joy in the midst of hard circumstances because we know that in Christ, man, there is a light at the end of that tunnel. There is one. And it is Jesus, <laughs> and it may take and it may take years or decades to get there. But brother, sister, those who are in Christ, we're going to get to the light at the end of the tunnel, and it will be the most joyful like culmination that you have ever experienced. Uh, if you look, I told you we we're going to spend most of our time on this day. But if you look back in verse five, he also says not just that I pray for you with joy, but he says but I pray with joy because of our partnership. Or that word partnership means fellowship. And, uh, and, and Paul does this. So I want you to see, like, notice he says our partnership in the gospel. Because for Paul, again, he's writing in chains, and he's saying, like, like, notice he doesn't say, man, our partnership in, in board games, or our partnership in our favorite foods, or our partnership in coffee shops, or our partnership in common interests. Or our partnership in misery, right? Or our partnership, like all these things, our partnership and our love for our sports teams. Or our partnership in our our same stage of life. Or our partnership in our ethnicity. Or our partnership in our gender. Like, notice he doesn't go through any of that. Instead, he says, no, we've got a deep-rooted fellowship in the gospel. And guys, fellowship, that's the definition of fellowship, is fellowship is not social in nature it is being together when there is nothing else that may bring us together except for our love for jesus like you look around the room and go you know i probably wouldn't just hang out with most of these people like i I probably wouldn't just randomly find myself uh you know like doing my favorite activity with a lot of these people but i deeply love these people Because we have something in common that runs deeper than anything this world can offer that gives us true fellowship. Church, listen to me. We don't need more social activities on our calendar. We need more fellowship in the gospel on our calendar. Because social activities run us dry. Social activities drain us. Now they're good, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm the chief extrovert okay? Like, don't get me wrong. I love a good social activity 24-7, okay? But here's what I know. They will always leave us dry because true fellowship in the gospel is better than just social activity. Social activity is fine, but what we want is fellowship in the gospel. Um, let's let's keep reading. Let's look at uh, verse 7. Well, let's take a look at verse 6. I want, that's like my favorite verse, but For sake of time, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I want you to know this. Paul says in verse 6, he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion. I want you to, to underline that word sure, okay? And know that Paul doesn't say, I think, or I believe, or I am persuaded. Paul says, I am sure of this. Like, I have extreme confidence that God began the work and he's going to finish the work. Because God is the author and he's the finisher. That's who he is. And what Paul is talking about is their faith. Paul is saying, man, God saved you, and God is going to keep you saved. Like, because listen, God doesn't want us walking around unsure of our relationship with him all the time. Like, do you want that in your relationships? Do you want to walk around? Do you like your relationships where you're walking around wondering if they're mad at you all the time? No, those are miserable relationships. But happy relationships are ones where you go, yeah, they're mad at me, but they'll get over it. We love each other. It's okay. Those are happy relationships. And guys, our relationship with God is best when we are confident that God has us and He's not going anywhere. And I want you to know God does not want you to constantly question His love for you, He does not want you to live in this wheel of doubt wondering, have I lost his love this weekend? Have I lost out? Is he going to give up on me after what I did? I've been a little far away from him for a while. Has he left me or abandoned me? God wants you to know today, uh uh-uh, he started the work and he will finish it. He doesn't start the work and then you get to finish it. He starts the work and he finishes the work in your life. And God wants you to be confident in that. All right, let's look at verse seven. Paul says, and it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you're all partakers of me with grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome if we talked about our church that way? Now I'm not just talking about Impact Church. I'm just talking about, if. wouldn't it be awesome if we as Christians talked about the church this way? I just feel like I'm so exposed. Maybe it's just the crowd I run with. (laughs) But I feel like I'm so exposed right now to people who are so jaded and cynical about the church. And I just want you to know I get it. We're a bunch of imperfect, messed up, jacked up people. I totally get it. We don't always get it right. But man, when we do get it right, it's the most beautiful thing on the face of the planet. And I want you to know, man, this passage right here, man, that's how I want to talk about you. That's how I want to talk about you. And I'm at pastors gatherings and they're all complaining about their people. And I just sit quietly in the corner. And then they finally look at me and go, well, how are things at impact? I saw your pictures. Everything looks great. And I get to be like, Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. You know, I don't want to boast. But I look and I go, man, because this is how we want to talk about each other. Man, we are. Man, I hold. And people say, "Man, what church do you go to?" Oh my gosh, you're not gonna believe this. The impact church. I hold this these people in my heart because they they are partakers of me with grace. Like we're all messed up, and we all receive grace each week, and it's just this amazing thing. And uh, I've been, I've suffered. I, maybe you haven't been in prison. Maybe you have, and uh, you're like, man, but but I've suffered. And, uh, and they just keep confirming the gospel to me. Like every time I suffer, they don't judge me. They just sit down and they remind me of God's love for me. And they remind me that God's got me. And, uh, and God is my witness. Man, I yearn for those people. Like I love those people. I love the church. And man, maybe like our goal isn't to like review the church like we review restaurants on Google but maybe it is to revere the church, to love the church the way Christ did. Um, Let's keep, keep rolling here in verse nine. He says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. How many of you want somebody to pray for you that way? Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, what if somebody, instead of just suiting you a text, me be like, pray for you today, smiley face, which is great. I, like, love those texts. Like, I think it's great. But what if somebody actually, like, wrote down, it's like, listen, I'm praying for you, that you will, you'll have more and more love, that you'll have knowledge of God, that you'll have discernment, so you can approve what is excellent. I'm praying you'll be pure and blameless, ready for Jesus, filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, and that your life will give glory and praise to God. Man, somebody pray for me this week. Like, let's pray pray that for each other. Like, do you realize if we prayed that prayer for one another, how that could change the city of Fredericksburg? I mean, man, that is so good. So look at what Paul prayed for. I'm just going to put a list uh, up for you to see. But I just want you to see, like, the things that Paul prayed for that maybe we can pray for for the church, right? That the church would have more and more love. You guys think we need a a little more love in our world today, right? Uh, more and more love that we would have the knowledge of God but I want you to see this this knowledge of God is not scholastic okay that word knowledge is not that you would have more and more commentaries on yourself that word knowledge means intimacy it means that you would know God in a way that is personal and intimate not just head but heart knowledge of God and then he says that you would have discernment what that means is, like, you know what God wants you to do with your life. That you, I may mean, I want, Lord help me with that, right? Uh, that you would be able to approve what is excellent. Or that word, really what it means is the best way. Like, that you would be able to know this is the best way God has for my life. That you would be pure and blameless for Christ's return, right? And that word pure just means unmixed loyalty. That your loyalty is steadfast on Jesus. That you would be filled with evidence of Christ's righteousness that like we would see man it Brandon doesn't he's not good but man every time I turn around God's doing something good in Brandon's life like that's the prayer right man Brandon stinks but God is so good to him and it's just every time I turn around he's doing something good for Brandon all right and that your lives would glorify and praise God man what an awesome way to pray for the church what an awesome way to pray for one another all right let's keep rolling verse 12. He says, and I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And I want you to see right here that Paul is finally getting into this crux of joy. And he's saying, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Things are hard right now. I am in chains. I am in prison. I am suffering. So church, can we just be honest about our sufferings? Can we just be honest that sometimes we are in places? But this is what he says. He says, this bad stuff that has happened to me is actually advancing the gospel. You want to know what's amazing is... Um, Uh, Listen, I want you to to think about this and write this down. God uses our sufferings to reach those who don't know Jesus with the gospel. God uses our sufferings. So what the enemy means to take you out, God uses to raise up new life in others. 9,000 imperial guards in the Roman Empire. These are the people that would get chained to Paul. So I want you to understand, as Paul is sitting there in chains, every day they're saying, well, now you go be chained to Paul. And they didn't just put him in a dungeon. A guard had to share a chain with Paul to make sure he didn't go anywhere. And Paul didn't look at that and be like, man, this person stinks. This person doesn't speak my language. This person is mean to me. This stinks. I'm not going to talk to them. Instead, Paul goes, so who's coming chained to me today? Awesome. Well, guess what? I got some good news for you today, buddy. Jesus. Right, let's talk about Jesus, and then that person's like gone, you know? And so this is what it says. He says like that, that people it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The whole this is spread to nine thousand guards. The gospel by being chained to one person in prison, the gospel has reached nine thousand imperial guards. Like, how amazing is that? Like Paul's suffering is actually bringing salvation to thousands of people. Now you may say, Brandon, I don't think my suffering is going to save thousands of people. That's not the point. The point is that through your suffering, more people, including yourself, will know Jesus more. Like you will know him more. And the last thing I'll tell you is God uses our suffering to reach other believers with the gospel. You know why? Because when you see someone suffering in the church, your faith is increased. How many times have you come to church and seen someone suffering and you went, wow, I thought I was having a bad week. But then I was talking to Wes and man, he's really having a bad week. And you start to think and you go, but man, I want my faith to be more like his. And you start looking around. That's why we don't hide our suffering because our suffering is actually being used to increase the faith of other people. Hey, uh, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. But I want to read this last part. So don't put your Bibles away. I just want to read this last part. Look at verse 15 with me. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, listen to this, and in that, I rejoice. How messed up do you have to be to be in prison, in chains, and use the word joy so much? Paul says, yeah, I know, I've heard. I've heard. There's people out there preaching Christ, and they're trying to they're trying to one up me. He says, but I don't care. Because joke's on them. I'm not doing this for me. Christ is being proclaimed. And whether their motives are good or bad, I'll let God sort that out. But Christ is proclaimed in this suffering, and I rejoice. So, church, could it be that we will find joy in our suffering knowing that. That Christ is being exalted in our suffering. That Christ is being made much of. That we may look lame and broken and beaten. We might be lonely and disappointed and heartbroken. But in the midst of it, Christ is being glorified in our lives. So we rejoice. With chains on, we rejoice because much is being made of Christ. Church, the only way to do that is to flip your life upside down so that Christ is the foundation and not you and your circumstances. So that when Christ is your foundation and everything else is falling apart, you can rejoice because you're still standing firm in Christ. I want to encourage you if you're here today, in just a second we're going to pray. And man, I just want to encourage you, if you're here today, let's chase after two things. While we're studying this book together, let's chase after two things. Let's chase after biblical joy. Joy that is centered on what Jesus did for us, not on our circumstances. And let's chase after gospel-centered fellowship. Not fellowship based on our interests, but fellowship based on Jesus. That brings us together with people we may not share their language, we may not share their ethnicity, their life experience, their culture, we may not share their generation, but we share together because of Christ. Let's run after joy and fellowship together as a church. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church sermon podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.